morning to you all. Uh, I must say, uh, I didn't realize for the one year and nearly one year, what? Five months I've been here. Some of you, I didn't realize you can actually smile. Um, it's so good. You know, it's so difficult when you're only seeing people's eyes. Sometimes some will try to, you know, blink or do all sorts of things, but so lovely to see you all here. And for those who are joining us from home, uh, we are all smiles here at church, and I'm sure it's so lovely if you would just be here and join us. Uh, I would like to invite Vivian to give us some notices. Good morning and welcome everyone. It's so nice to be here, as Nigel said, without having to have your mask and stand up here and fiddle with it around your face and your glasses and your earrings and everything else that get in the way. Um, <clears throat> the craft team will meet on Tuesday at one o'clock and the care and share lunch will be on as usual on Friday, half past 12. Now the Holy Week services, Monday, that's tomorrow, in here at seven o'clock. Tuesday, in here at seven o'clock. Wednesday is in St. Peter's in Ardrossan at seven o'clock. Thursday is here in Kirkgate with people from other congregations joining us and there will be communion at that service on Thursday evening. Seven o'clock again for that one. And then the Good Friday service is in St. Andrew's Episcopal Church at seven o'clock. Now that's not what was in the magazine. There was a mix up, okay? It's definitely in St. Andrews at seven o'clock on Thursday, Friday. And next Sunday, back here, again with communion at the usual time of 10.45. And all the services from Kirkgate will hopefully be streamed live via YouTube. And you are all very welcome at any or indeed all of these services. We had a great night here on Friday night. For those of you who were here, you will know. For those of you who were at home, you don't know what you missed. We had the fashion show on Friday night and it was really, really good fun. It was, there were some lovely clothes on show. We had some beautiful models and the fantastic sum of 400, 465 pounds was raised on the night with more to come in from the sales made both on Friday night and in the shop in the next two weeks. Because if you go into the shop in the next two weeks and mention that you were at the fashion show, they'll give us 10% of anything that you buy. So we've got more money to come in from that. We're going to be having an open day on Saturday the 30th of April. So a wee bit of advance notice. Saturday the 30th of April from 12 o'clock until 2 o'clock. This is just to let members of the community come in and have a look around the church. We'll have some music playing. We'll have something up on the screen. And we want to serve tea and coffee through in the hall for that. So if you are able to help to serve tea or coffee on that day, could you please speak to Andrew? And it would be great if you could do that today, since hopefully we are going away this week. So we'll not be here. That's why we're a wee bit ahead of ourselves. And last but not least, the Daffodil Cross. This is the week when we assemble the Daffodil Cross. We are looking for donations of 
partially open daffodils. The ones that are tightly budded really don't work in the cross because they slide right through or else they just die and they don't open. So partially open ones if you can and from Thursday onwards, please. And Maureen is very kindly going to coordinate <laughs> the uh, assembling of the cross for us. Okay, these are all today's intimations, folks. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nigel. Thank you, Vivian. Uh, once again, we continue to be careful. I know we don't have our masks on, but we continue to be careful out there uh, and with each other uh, because indeed COVID is still around. Um, let's hand sanitize and all other things that we have been doing. Um, I can tell you that a number of our congregants have caught COVID uh, over the past few weeks and months. And so please continue to be careful. Today is Palm Sunday. And I think it's one of those Sundays everywhere people are celebrating. And we are celebrating Jesus entering Jerusalem for the last time. And I think I want to invite you to come quickly and see Jesus. Jesus is here. Do you see him? Do you experience him? He's riding on a coat, entering Jerusalem. Come quickly, come and see. He is the one we have been expecting. He is the one we can look up to. Come worship Jesus. Indeed, he is the king of kings and the king of glory. We join our, our voices and our hearts together as we sing 364, O glory, loud and honor.
may be seated and Andrew is going to lead us in prayer. I should point out that the, uh, the last section of the prayer today I've taken from India. Um, it's anonymous, but I thought it appropriate today that it would remind us that we are a church universal, particularly on a day like today. So let us join our hearts together in prayer. Let us pray. Jesus, you rode into your city in triumph on this day, receiving the shouts and welcome of many. Come into this church today, receive our welcome and our acclaim. Come to rule in the hearts and minds of all who lead our worship and then help us to go out and to proclaim you as king all over the world and every life. Dear Master, we remember that many who claimed you as king on Sunday shouted crucify on Friday. So confirm our faith today and our love for you will never falter or turn to hatred, but will remain constant now and forever. Oh Jesus, you entered the city as a poor man, not in style, but simply. Yet still you caused uproar and questions everywhere. You drew expectations of a hungry crowd and brought buried conflicts to the light. May we who are sometimes swayed by the crowd's approval and who often avoid conflict for fear of its cost to us, hold fast to the gospel of peace and justice and follow faithfully in your way of compassion and solidarity. Jesus, King of the universe, ride on in humble majesty. Lord, this Palm Sunday, may we recognize you, the Lord who comes to his world, and join with full heart in the children's Hosanna. Ride on through conflict and debate. Lord, this Palm Sunday, forgive our evasions of truth, our carelessness of your honor, our weakness which leaves us sleeping even when others you suffer and are anguished. Our cowardice that does not risk the consequences of publicly acknowledging you as Lord. Ride on to the empty tomb and your rising in triumph. Ride on to raise up your church, a new body for your service. Ride on, King Jesus, to renew the whole earth in your image. In compassion, come and help us. And we ask this in the same name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, uh, Andrew. I've got a question for everyone uh, this morning. Have you been honored before? Have you been honored before or given a high place or, you know, praised for something? Anyone? In other words, has your mom, dad, grand, 
ever said to you something that made you feel like, wow, this is actually good? Or that made you feel really special? Anyone? Any takers? D? Oh, speak up. When you did what? All right. All right, and, and, and what did you, what were you told? Mm-hmm, all right. So he's talking, uh, he's referring to something that happened recently when mom was modeling somewhere. Uh, so we were busy in the house and he helped. And afterwards I said, well done, my son. You are so special and uh, uh, as he said. Who else, have you been told something? Yes, Ethan. Wow, that's great. So you felt good afterwards. All right, adults, what, when have you been honored um, and you felt special? What had you done? I know if anyone doesn't say something, Andrew has, always has something to say. Yes, Fiona. All right, wow. And and how did how how did you feel? Oh, I was very nervous. Very nervous too. All right, others. Even those who are in the gallery can say something. Evelyn, say it. <laughs> At work, yes. Wow. All right. <laughs> but the fact that Evelyn was, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's great. Uh, the last one, Andrew, you want to say something? Well, I was once part of a team that won a trophy at golf. All right. I've also got a lot of other trophies that I got individually, but unfortunately, we're all having second. All right. <laughs> Wow. So this is these are all good stories of people being honored. Ethan was honored, I'm sure Henry and my friend here was also honored before, right? Yes, Rosie. Um and Dylan, I think yesterday we, we were going to honor him. I think we did honor him. We're still thinking of something big. He's been saying, Mum like loudly and he said mom i said to to mom as we were driving to church i said i think he probably said mom more than 100 times and i almost wanted to honor you because for every time you kept you you know composed and answered well uh, the passage we're going to read today is a passage in which jesus entered jerusalem and he was not entering Jerusalem for the first time, but he was entering Jerusalem for the last time. And who remembers what happened as he was entering Jerusalem? Yes, D? All right, people threw things at him for, for him to land on. All right, what else? Uh, people were shouting. 
uh, Hosanna. What else? He was riding on a donkey. They were waving palm branches at him. That's why you call it Palm Sunday. Uh, what else? What else? You know, for, for, for Jesus, this was big. This was a big honor. But the one thing that we're going to be looking at in the sermon today is when he looked at Jerusalem, after such honor, he responded by looking at Jerusalem and he cried. I know some of you who have been honored before with big things, uh, you felt like crying, but Jesus, he was honored and he cried for Jerusalem. And I've entitled today's sermon, Tears of Mercy, Tears of Mercy. And it's my invitation to all of us here today that we shed a tear of mercy as we look into the world responding with Jesus as he responded to Jerusalem. And that is what we will be talking about. But before we go um, to Sunday school, we're singing together, Ride On, Ride On in Majesty, hymn 365.
Hallelujah. We are, we, you know, we, I think one thing that I need to, the only one thing I would teach you uh, as long as God has allowed me to be your minister is to express your inner joy. I know for sure that most of you can be excited, but I, I, I need to teach you to be excited in church. Uh, I know some of you would say, no, that's, that doesn't have reverence and stuff. But I think, you, trust me, you will enjoy it. So you need to, I know some, some of you would say, no, but we're a bit old. But I've seen some of you, <laughs> you know, uh, in, uh, some who are in the you know, country dance and stuff, you can, you can, you can move. Uh, so, <laughs> so please uh, bear with me because I really think that you know that's that's something that is lacking, um, and it's not really bad. Uh, I would put it at five out of ten. Um, so it's not bad. So we we need to push it up to ten out of ten or at least nine out of ten. Uh, I can see people are smiling to that. We are reading today in the gospel according to Luke chapter 19 from verse 28 through to 44. I've brought my Bible. Hopefully you have yours too. Uh, please open with me as we hear Andrew reading for us. Jesus said this and then went to Jerusalem ahead of them. As he came near Bethphage and Bethany at Mount Olives, he sent two disciples ahead with these instructions. Go to the village there ahead of you. As you go in, you will find a coat tied up that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks you why you are untying it, tell them that the master needs it. They went on their way and found everything just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying it? The master needs it, they answered. And they took the colt to Jesus. Then they threw their cloaks over the animal and helped Jesus to get on. As he rode on, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near Jerusalem, at the place where the road went down the Mount of Olives, the large crowd of his disciples began to thank God and praise him in loud voices for all the great things that they had seen. God bless the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God. Then some of the Pharisees in the crowd spoke to Jesus. Teacher, they said. Command your disciples to be quiet. And Jesus answered, I tell you that if they keep quiet, the stones themselves will start shouting. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word. And to his name be all glory and praise. Amen. I, I forgot to say Andrew Reed up to 44. Uh, but it's all right. I will finish the, the bits that Andrew left out. He came close to the city, and when he saw it, he wept over it, saying, If you only knew today what is needed for peace, but now you cannot see it. 
The time will come when your enemies will surround you with barricades, blockage you, blockade you, and close you in, close in on you from every side. They will completely destroy you and the people within your walls. Not a single stone will they leave in its place because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you. Once again, to God be the glory. Amen. Like I said, today is Palm Sunday, and Christians all over the world are reading the story of how Jesus entered Jerusalem for the last time riding on a donkey, and palm branches and clocks are just thrown all over as they just welcoming the king. Hosanna to the son of David, they are shouting. And Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was also different in that for the first time, he did not shy away from a public demonstration. In the past, whenever he was coming to Jerusalem, he would not want to be recognized as the king or let alone for people to identify him. In the past, Jesus had repeatedly withdrawn from the clouds that followed him. But on this occasion, there's no hint of hesitation on Jesus' part. The crowd was welcoming him. And I'm sure when you have read this passage before, there are a number of things that one could look at. Some of the things that we're not going to look at are this. You know, obviously, when you begin to read, you realize that Jesus says to the disciples that are sent ahead, go and you will find the code that has never been right on. The owner will ask you something and this is how you respond. It's quite interesting that he already knew how it looked like, how the person would even respond. I mean, we are not told details in Luke about the conversation between the owner, I'm sure the owner should have said something. But you're left with a number of questions that did he just take it like that? And that's all? Did he just let go of his coat and that's it? We're not going to look at all that. We could look at this passage and concentrate on a number of things. But today, I want to do two things. Firstly, I'm more interested in examining the responses of the people who witnessed the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. How did they respond? What did they do? What did they not do? Secondly, I want to take time and invite you to admire Jesus Christ admire Jesus Christ and specifically I want you to look closely and I want you to do some homework after this because today marks the beginning of Holy Week. In Holy Week therefore we want to concentrate and think about what Jesus is doing in Jerusalem and what Jesus is doing in our own lives. So the first response we find is one of deep respect. It's deep respect at the sight of Jesus. He's riding on a colt, approaching Jerusalem. The multitude spread their garments and palm branches on the road 
as they are actually improvising a red carpet. You know, in my life, one of the things that I've always wanted was to be honored. I've always wanted to be honored, and, and unfortunately, I chose the wrong career for crying out loud because I'm rarely honored. Um, and I think the, the closest I came to be honored was on my wedding day. At least they had a red carpet. Uh, and, and I walked along with, with a sense of reverence, you know, understanding that this is the closest I can get to honor. Now, the president for such an action comes from 2 Kings chapter 9, where Jehu is anointed king of Israel, and the people responded by spreading their garments under Jehu's feet as he was walking in as their king. Now, the spreading of palm branches and the garments was a sign of respect, a suitable gesture to mark the arrival of a king. As Presbyterians, demonstrations of respect within the context of worshiping Jesus Christ are fairly natural for us. We, 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 as we gather in the name of Jesus, our services of worship tend to be marked by a sense of seriousness. People are so serious. Sometimes if you go back 50 years from now, people would almost not laugh in a church service because they'll be saying, no, we in, unless we take away the reverence. That's typical Presbyterian for you. Casualness is avoided. Great care is taken in planning and executing our services. Our style is to do things with decency and in good order. That's what we are known for as Presbyterians. We do this, I hope, out of a deep respect for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So the people in Jerusalem have responded this way by actually getting to say, here comes the king, and as the king is coming, let's lay our courts, our, our branches before him. And that's the first response for these people. The second response we find from this multitude is one of joyful praise. We read in verse 37, as Jesus was approaching, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. We see here that approaching Christ with deep respect does not prevent us from praising him with a joyful disposition. Within the Presbyterian Church, I fear that there are times when our commitment to respectful worship comes at the expense of joyful praise. We sometimes take it for granted that we need to express our joy to God. But of course, it's justified because people express joy differently. Try to imagine the sin with me as it is described by Luke and the other gospel writers. I'm picturing excitement. People are excited. I'm picturing exuberance. I imagine bright eyes and smiling faces as they look at their king and they're smiling. The king is coming and the multitude cannot contain their enthusiasm. They're excited. The king is coming. Perhaps at their deepest, 
at the deepest within their hearts is this. What is the king bringing with him? Maybe let me pause and ask you, is that your experience of Jesus Christ in 2022? Is that your experience of Christ? Is that your experience of worship? Is that your experience of Palm Sunday today? As you consider the miracles that Christ has done within your heart, as you consider the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection, to what extent are you stirred to engage in joyful praise? To what extent are you? You know, I gave earlier on in the OH talk asking the question, I remember very clearly when I praised my son for helping me out. He was all smiles. And because I now know him, you know what? It was a counterattack on him. Because I showed him a number of areas and I said, this is, this, these are the things that we need to do. I'm going to be concentrating on these five areas. And I knew some of my areas would take longer and some of his would take short, a shorter time. And he did his and mine as well. You heard him as he was explaining. But there's a sense of joy that comes as I say to that, that little boy that, well done. And I'm asking you, is that the sense of excitement you have when somebody mentions the name Jesus? And if we do find that our manner of praise is significant, significantly different than that of others, or even according to the biblical, biblical accounts, maybe... You need to change how you respond to Jesus entering Jerusalem, let alone entering our building as he is here with us today. If our praise is lacking, perhaps we rethink as we go forward. I realize that our upbringing and our personality plays a role here. I was raised to think that less emotion was better than more emotion. As a child, being passionate was a sure way to invite a reprimand for me. I don't know about you. My tendency is not to be overly demonstrative. I kind of tone it down now and then, especially when I think of my grandmother. But there's something liberating when I read this passage that grabs my mind and thought, and I forget my grandmother for a moment, and I forget my upbringing for a moment, because I realize I am in the presence of a king who is God. The people are praising God joyfully and with a loud voice, according to verse 37. That sounds like a cheering, doesn't it? They're cheering up for Jesus. If I can cheer loudly for Manchester United, what can you do for God? I can say, you know, yesterday I, I, I was not able to cheer up because we were beaten. But if that is the sense we have with football and many other things that we are passionate about, what about God? One who has never failed you, the one 
who constantly cheers you up even when you think you are done with and things are done on your part. He comes through and he makes things possible. One who has never failed any minute. Of course, sometimes you feel like I'm alone and yet he is right next to you. He has purchased your pardon at Calvary. It seems to me that that the joyful praise of the multitude was fitting. And it seems to me that we need to restrain ourselves from engaging in the same kind of joyful praise as we gather here week after week. We ought to be thinking about doing the same kind of worship. Now, in addition to demonstrating deep respect for Jesus, and in addition to bringing forth joyful praise, we see, thirdly, that the multitude brought, brought forth appropriate proclamation. I'm not speaking yet so much about the manner as I am about the content of their celebration. The praise of the multitude can be said to be appropriate in nature because the proclamation was biblical in nature. It was not just them expressing what they were feeling. They were expressing what they had understood according to the Bible. If you turn to Psalm 118 verse 26, you come across, across these words. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. This is exactly what they were expressing to Jesus. Because the people were thinking biblically, they were saying the right things about Jesus. And because their praise was born out of the deep respect and a joyful personality, it can be said that the multitude were saying the right things rightly about Jesus and to Jesus. Even still, not everything was right about the gathering around Jesus that day. Though we witness deep respect, joyful praise, and biblical proclamation, we also see prevailing jealousy. That leads me to the second part, where I'm inviting you to admire something about Christ. Let me take you back to verse 37. The Bible reminds us something key about Jesus before the others could respond to Jesus. The Bible says the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Jesus, by the way, had made a name for himself before this time he was entering Jerusalem. He was the worker of miracles, to remind you, and they remembered these miracles. He had healed leprosy with a touch. He had made the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lamb to walk. He had commanded the unclean spirits and they obeyed him. He had stilled storms and walked on water and turned five loaves and two fish into a meal for thousands. So as he entered Jerusalem, they knew nothing could stop him. He could just speak and pilot would perish. The Romans would be scattered. He was all-powerful. In other words, he was sovereign, and yet he chose otherwise. This is something of Jesus 
that we need to remember at the back of our minds. Another aspect about Jesus is found in verse 40. When the Pharisees tell him to make the people stop blessing him as king, he answers this way, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is Jesus for us. Why? Because he will be praised anywhere and somewhere, somehow. The whole design of the universe is that Christ be praised by people. And if people fail in our own context, so to speak, if we fail, these chairs would praise him. These tables and lecterns and everything else will praise him because he is king and he is God. In other words, he is all-powerful. He is sovereign. He will get what he means to get. If we refuse to praise, the rocks will get the joy. And now we come to verses 41 and 42. And I want to reread them. He came close to the city, and when he saw it, he wept over it, saying, if you only knew today what is, what is needed for your peace, but now you cannot see it. It is remarkable, therefore, that the tears of Jesus in verse 41 are so often used to deny his sovereignty. People think that he cried because he was not powerful. Some will say, look. He weeps over Jerusalem because his design for them, his will for them has failed. It is not coming to pass. He would delight in their salvation, but look, nothing is working. No wonder why he is crying. But they are resistant. They are going to reject him, even though he is king. No wonder why he is crying. People think they're going to hand him over to be crucified. Though that's why he's crying. So his purpose for them has failed. But there's something not quite right about this objection to Jesus' sovereignty. He can make praise come from rocks. The betrayal, the mockery, the shame, the spitting into his face, the flogging, the murder, and so much more was all planned. The unbelief and hostility were not a surprise to Jesus. All these were tears of mercy. The tender tears of mercy. The tender mercy of Christ was this. He denied himself as king so that he could save you and I. The tender mercy of Christ is helpful. It doesn't just feel Though it feels, it also helps. He felt pity for us, but no, he didn't end in the feelings. He had to act, he had to give his life for us. Question to you is, what will you do? What will you do? Remember the words of Jesus when he said, if you only knew today what is needed for peace, but now you cannot see it. As if addressing the current situation has been two years for us. If only we knew what brings us peace. And yet today we don't see it. 
in the two years and maybe another two years is coming in a different form with COVID-19 and yet we do not see it. Friends, today we begin the journey to the cross. Today we are challenged to determine whether we are curious observers of Jesus. People who are standbyers, who would stand by and look and say, oh wow, things are happening. Or we are going to be participants into this journey of Jesus Christ as committed disciples not just fans who will cheer up and before long get to say, crucify him. Happy are we when we can boldly proclaim, Jesus is my Lord. I have chosen to follow him and I will follow him as he cried the tears of mercy for me. I will respond and also cry tears of mercy for others. And your tears of mercy won't be just tears for people. It will be tears for mercy as you get to say, God, how do I tell these people of Jesus? How do I tell people of my own forgiveness? And how do I tell people of the fact that I'm no longer condemned? I am loved. And Jesus looks at me and say, there you are, my daughter. I love you and I love you and I love you. And if that is the gist of the story, why don't you and I respond in this holy week as we reflect on different aspects of Jesus as we're playing it back for ourselves and thinking back, we look at these tears of mercy and respond by saying, yes, Lord, I love you. I had forgotten what it means to be loved, but you, you continue to love me and love me. And as a way forward, we continue to share the kind of love that you have received with the world. That's our challenge. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You are the King of glory. We proclaim this as we sing it, hymn 790.
please be seated. Let us pray. Gracious God, in dedication, we lay down what we have. We lay down what we are. We lay our gifts, our talents before you in the hope that you will take it and use it for the maintenance of your church and for the feathering of your mission, the glory of your kingdom into every part that needs to be hearing the message of love. Loving God, you search us, you know us, you speak to us, and you listen to us. Your love brought us into being, and your love wraps us in the care forever that we find in Christ. We thank you for the gifts given to each of us, our world, our friends, our families, our homes. We rejoice in your presence in our lives. We bring our words of prayer for ourselves and for our world, for those near us and for those who are far away from us. We thank you, eternal God. We thank you for each and every one of us, the friends you've given us, some who are here, some who are not here, some who are not well in hospital, some who can no longer speak, some who can only give signs at the moment. And yet we proclaim you as king of glory. Father, we pray for them and we pray for each other. And we pray that, Lord, you hear our prayers. Our desire is for us to be healed and for us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray, Almighty God, for those listening from home, for those who are here listening, and I pray that the blood of Jesus Christ that heals, that touch, that transforms, would touch each and every person, Almighty God. Those who are hearing this, may they know that they are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your eternal love and for all who try to spread your eternal love and peace in communities, in countries, and all over the world. Help each of us to understand it, to let it be part of us that we share the love that we have received from Jesus Christ. And as we const constantly proclaim that we are the forgiven ones, Lord, we pray that you'll be with each and every one of us. Help us as you continue to empower us to express that joy, Lord, into the world. Even though we are suffering from the same kind of afflictions, we pray that, Lord, you give us a voice. You give us the strength, the mighty God, and the ability to proclaim that Jesus is king. He is the king of glory. Your love is calling us to do exactly that with our neighbors, our loved ones, our enemies. And Lord, help us to reach out to our enemies or people who perceive, we perceive to be far away from us in terms of values. Give us power, Lord. 
to join you as you enter Jerusalem, to make it known to the world that these tears are tears of mercy, not tears of pity, because you are king and you are sovereign. We pray for all the people who seek your love in scripture, in experience, in religion and in nature. May their search be fruitful. May they find help along the way and may they be supported by your Holy Spirit. Lord, empower us as we leave this place to go to our homes, to our families, to our communities. May we proclaim Jesus is King. Father, we pray, even though our bodies are weak at times, we pray that you give us strength. We pray that, Lord Almighty, in this time of COVID and many other struggles, we see the cross as a reminder that you are risen and you are alive. Walk with us, journey with us, travel with us wherever we go. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We close by singing Hosanna, loud Hosanna.
remain standing. And I want to invite you to look to your left and to your right at, at people who are close to you. At least you can see them, smile at them. Um, hear these words, we have entered Jerusalem and prepared to walk through Holy Week. We are in Jerusalem now with Jesus and we prepare to accompany him on the Via Dolorosa. We go, we reflect, we prepare. The blessing of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and always. Thank you.